uh, you know, it's like us and four other people in the city that are, are, are free of this thing at the moment. It seems to be going around pretty pretty thick, uh, but, but I thank God that, that you guys were able to make it out, and those that are at home, hunkered down, or I would say hi to Pastor Tori and my mom there, uh, they are, they did test positive early last week, they are doing, um, they're doing fine, they're doing okay, they're just waiting to, you know, get out of their little, their quarantine bubble, um, uh, which I I would love to see a time-lapse camera at, at, my, at my parents' house. Because my dad doesn't do well not being productive. Um, <laughs> so I think it would be funny to just watch a time-lapse video of him over the last five days, just stuck in the house, not allowed to do anything. Uh, that would be entertaining. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, so you, again, just like last week... Uh, Pastor Troy was supposed to start a new series. Uh, you may have seen some promotions on Facebook, whatever. That will begin, Lord willing, next week, called Backstage, uh, a, a look at the private conversations that Jesus had with different people that led to um, the front stage ministry of other people. And that's going to be a, a great series. Um, but again, uh, that's been delayed. So today we're going to look at uh, something else. And I, I love when the, the Lord puts stuff together, you know, so much better than we. We've been kind of the theme this morning has been a, a lot about a callback to, 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 to our history and our heritage and, and God's faithfulness. And, and, and our, our, our message today, what we're going to be looking at is, is right along those, those lines. Um, I was... This week I, I was watching um, a show. It's a, one of my favorite programs. They're, they've started a new season. Um, it's called Finding Your Roots with, uh, what's the guy's name? Henry Louis Gates Jr. Anybody watch that show? Anybody seen that show? It's on PBS. It's a really cool show. And basically what it is, uh, it's, it's just Henry Louis Gates Jr. takes... Uh, every episode, he'll take two different kind of celebrity, well-known, interesting people, and he has a whole team of researchers, and they they go and they scour all of their documents, and they use DNA and all this stuff, and they uncover kind of the, the history and the lineage of these different people, and then they put it all in a book, and the show is pretty much... Um, Henry, Dr. Mr. Gates, uh, sitting down with these people and showing them their heritage, and it's amazing. It's amazing the stories that come up. But one of the things, the thing I think I like most about the show is I'm always moved by watching somebody be changed by hearing their own story. These people are hearing things about their heritage that they didn't know before. And you can, you can see it. it, it it's, they, they many times have, have just visceral responses to, to finding things out or having certain family rumors confirmed or, or, or they just get a, 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 an actual picture of, of where they really came from. Because um, there is power in knowing our past. There is power in, 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 in heritage. And so today I, wanna, I want us to take, um, I want to take some time and get some advice from one of, one of our spiritual ancestors. Um, I think sometimes when we, when we study scripture, when we look at the words, look at the words, sometimes because the culture is so different, uh, 
um, there can be this disconnect where that, that was then and there, you know, and it's like something other than ourselves. When the reality is, every one of us sitting in this room has a connection to everything and everyone that we read in Scripture. And maybe no more a straight line than the person we're going to look at today, which is the Apostle Paul. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul. And, he, you know, Paul is largely responsible for the Gentiles coming to know Jesus. Gentiles would be everybody that's not Jewish. So, I haven't done your DNA history, but I'm willing to bet that the vast majority of us in this room, um, that applies to us, right? We're, we're, we're not Jewish. We're, we're goy, as they say. Um, and so, we're going we're gonna to kind of look at, at, at our great, 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 I did the math, it's 50 greats, spiritual grandpa, Paul, today, um, and, and you're probably familiar with Paul. Paul um, was a Jewish leader, a Pharisee. He, uh, he, he had an amazing conversion experience with, with, with the Lord and, and becomes kind of Jesus missionary to, to the non-Jewish world. Um, and, and, and sets out on, he, Paul took three missionary journeys. Um, on his second journey... Uh, he, he's out and about, and he receives he receives a, a, a vision from the Lord to go to an area called Macedonia, and the major city in that area was Philippi. and And we're going to be kind of looking at Paul's relationship with that city um, today. That's kind of the, the uh, a, you know, there's just too much there to go through all of it. So we're just going to kind of look at his. How that, that, that city started. Philippi was actually the first European city that ever heard about Jesus. It was the first, first Christian church was born in Europe, was born in, in Philippi, as, as best as we can, we can figure. And, and we actually, in Acts 16, we have, um, we have the account, we have the story of how that happens. And so we're, we're going to start, start our, our time kind of understanding the story, and then we're going to look at, at, at a letter that Paul writes later in his life to that church. And, and what I want us to see today is not so much three points or, or uh, uh, you know, a, a recipe for, for how to do this or how to do that, but I'm praying the Lord would show us today, I, I want us to get a glimpse of the mindset of the man that God used to evangelize the majority of the world. That's really who, who, who Paul was. And, and, and the things that he went through, Paul is, I don't know if he's like this for you, Paul's definitely on my list of guys that, that like I really have to work to kind of apply his life and lessons because it's just really easy to go, well, that was Paul. Right, like that was Paul. That's like super, you know. Jesus is super, super secret agent, and, and kind of separate yourself from him. But, but that's not the case. And so today, I want to, I want us to look at this letter, look at this story, and and my hope is that we would, we would see that. Look, most of the world has already heard about Jesus, so that job is taken. <laughs> 
but we can, we can, learn, we can learn from his mindset and, and adapt his mindset so that we can accomplish the things that God has called us to do. Because as we'll see today, we, we all have a mission. We all have, ha- have um, potential for kingdom impact. All right, I'm gonna, uh, before we jump in, let's just pray real quick. Father, we, we thank you for bringing us here today. Um, we're thanking, or thank you for, for us being able to tune in online. We thank you for technology. Um, God, would you just speak to us through, through your word um, again? Would, would, would you make the, the reality of, of this story, of, of what you've done in the past, would it become real in our minds and hearts today? Would we see... Uh, in your word, what it is that you want us to receive today as individuals and as a group. Probably sing your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, so Paul's on his second journey. He, he, he goes to this the city of Philippi, and and when when Paul Paul has a, a buddy with him named Silas. And when they get to the city, this is not a city that has a large Jewish population, so there's no synagogue there. And Paul's MO when he would go to a city is, is he would start with, with the Jews in that city. He would start by reaching out to them. Um, and there was no synagogue, so he couldn't go there. And he, Paul knew that, that typically if, if, there was a, if there was a smaller group of, of, of Jews in that area that, that, that would get together to meet, to pray and study or whatever, it would probably be down by the river. Um, I don't know if that was a, just a Jewish thing or if that was just kind of where people met um, back then. Uh, but so, so he, goes to the, he goes to the river, um, and there he meets a, a small group of women that are, that are there to worship. And, and he meets this woman um, by the name of Lydia. And Lydia, it says, we know a couple things about her. We know that she is a seller. Uh, she was a seller of, of purple dyes, which uh, most, most scholars uh, kind of agree that she, this, Lydia was, was um, a businesswoman and that, that she was probably very wealthy. Um, purple dye was very expensive. Uh, mostly it was, it was sold, you know, purple garments and things were only sold to the, to the wealthy and specifically to royalty. Um, and you know they pay they pay top dollar for things, um, so so this was probably um, probably a, a wealthy wealthy woman, and so Paul Paul meets this group and um, he presents her with the, with the gospel. They, they, they're talking, and, and she and her whole house receive Jesus. They he, they hear the gospel from Paul and they they accept Jesus. Um, and they turn towards him, make him their Lord. They get baptized. And she, in turn, invites Paul and Silas to stay at her house. Now, we don't know exactly how long. Um, but typically, in, in a story like this, it, it's more than just come for a visit. When, when, when Paul would stay with someone, um, it, it, was, it was the beginning of something. And that's what we see here. Paul, Paul and Silas stay with Lydia. And the first... Uh, the first Baptist Church of Philippi was born, right? We've got, uh, Philippi Baptist First Church uh, is born with just Lydia and her family, and it was it was in Philippi. It was uh, so everything's going good. They're, they they've got this little house church going, 
And then we, we, in Acts, we, we read what happens next. It was here in Philippi where Paul encounters, you may remember this story, um, he's out doing his thing, he's ministering and, and, and kind of sharing the gospel, and, and there's this, this girl who is, um, it says she's demonized, and it's given her the ability to, to tell fortunes. And, and so this, this, this girl starts following Paul around. And, and kind of disturbing things and, and kind of um, distracting him from, from what he, he's, he's trying to do. So, so Paul casts the demon out of this girl. I think it's interesting that it, like they, they tell the story in such a way in Acts where it's like, this, the only reason he dealt with this was just, it was like annoying. Like it wasn't like some big thing he was, he was confronted with. It was just kind of like, all right, you bother me. Go away. And, and so he cast his demon out of this girl. And the, the, the people that were making money off of this girl's, shall we call them, talents, I guess, um, got upset. And so they, they, they stir up the crowd. And Paul and Silas, we find, um, getting basically, you know, lied on, they get beaten, they get whipped, and they get thrown in jail. They were flogged, and it says they were, were thrown into the deepest part of the dungeon. Talk about no good deed going unpunished. How easy would it have been for, for Paul in this moment to, to be sulking and confused and upset you know, here Paul is, pour, literally pouring his life out for the expansion of the kingdom, faithfully serving Jesus, and, and this is what he gets. What's your reaction when it, it seems you're suffering a negative consequence for doing what God has called you to do? Anybody ever had, had that happen in your life where you, you do something because it's the right thing, because you, or because you believe that's what Jesus wants you to do in that moment, and the, the outcome of that thing is, is, is really bad, or it's not fair, right? You, you, you forgive that person, you, and you show grace, you show mercy, you, you, you give them another opportunity, and they disappoint you again, right? You... you you're at work, you're honest. If something comes up, you're honest about it. And instead of a promotion, you get, you get fired for it. Because you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't compromise your integrity. What do we do in those moments? Look at Paul's reaction. And in it, we see why he was such a powerful force for the kingdom. Acts 16, uh, starting in verse 25, says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas, remember they're they're in jail, they're shackled to a wall, it's dark. They were in jail. And it says, what were they doing? Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other other prisoners were listening. They were having a hymn sing. (laughs) So here's Paul, he, he, he's been faithful, he, 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 he does a miracle that ends up throwing him, getting him beaten and thrown in jail. He's chained to the wall, and instead of sulking, instead of questioning his call, instead of questioning and, and worrying and, and doubting whether what he did was what God wanted, he's sitting there and, and you just, you can almost hear it in, the, in the, 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 the background there, you know, there's this quiet, dark, middle of the night prison, and you just, 
God of Abraham, God of covenant. He probably didn't sing that. They wrote that like two years ago. Um, But something similar. And I love how they put in there, they were singing and praying, and the rest of the prisoners were listening. How do we get that mindset? Here's, here's, here's a word for some of us today. Not all of us, but this is, this is for some of us. Um, and you decide if this is you or not. Some of us are way too focused on using outcomes as an, as an evaluation tool for our lives. If something goes good, then you made the right decision. God loves you. You're a great person. All is well in the world. But if something goes bad, then all of a sudden you begin to question everything. You doubt whether the decision, you should have made that decision. You question whether you love God enough or God loves you enough. And you're just the, the, the worst person. There must be something I did wrong. What did I do wrong? And we become guilty and we become worried. Listen, some of us need to start acting or having a little bit more of a teenager mentality. Because this is one area that teenagers have a superpower. And that's the ability to not consider the consequences of their actions. This This is how we end up with teenagers doing teenager things. Because there's no thought about what's going to happen as a result of what I do right now. So, hey... Jumping off a roof with a, you know, paper towel hang glider. It sounds like a good idea. Let's try that. See how it works. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that evaluating the outcomes of our actions is always a bad thing. I'm not saying that. It's, a, it's an important life skill. But I am saying that we can't let bad in outcomes discourage us from continuing in our good works. There are some of us that, that have made the outcomes, made the results, the primary way that we, we look and we filter all of our decision making. Especially in the United States, we are, so, uh, we are so focused on being practical and pragmatic that we, we, we use that as a litmus test far more than our principles. And that's not the example that, that, that Jesus taught us. That's not what we see here with Paul. And that's why Paul was able to sing in a jail. Because it wasn't the outcome that he was worried about. Paul was resigned to the way he was going to live his life for Jesus regardless of the outcomes. That's how he gets beaten, thrown in jail, and his reaction is worship and praise. Because that was on his list to do that night anyway. And whether he was in jail or back in Lydia's house, it didn't matter. Oh, look, I could still worship and praise. He had one thing on his agenda. I'm going to serve God by loving others and tell, telling them about Jesus. That's really hard to stop. A person with just one agenda item is really hard. Have you ever tried to, like... Get your child, your six-year-old, your five-year-old, your seven-year-old uh, off of the thing that they really want. It's almost impossible because they are so present-minded. There is no negotiating. There is no future bribe you can offer them. There is no future threat you can throw at them that has anything to do or is going to affect their desire for Fruit Loops right now. 
right? We've all had those. You could offer them a, literally a million dollars and it doesn't matter. No, I want Fruit Loops. Because they don't have an appreciation for the future consequences. This is what we, we see with, with, with Paul. He was so focused on, on, on doing the thing that he was focused on that nothing, no outcome was going to affect what he, wanted to, what he wanted to do. Now we see in this story, this isn't the end of the story by, by any shot. In Acts, we'll just continue the story. Acts 16, uh, 26 says, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So God intervenes in a miraculous way. But again, Paul's focus is still on his mission. As we'll see in the rest of the story. It's amazing how often praise in the face of attack will result in a miracle. Now, it's not a formula. Listen, Paul wasn't praising and worshiping to get to start an earthquake. The earthquake started just because he was praising and worshiping. There's a big difference. Paul wasn't focused on an outcome. Paul wasn't worshiping to try and get God to do something to fix the problem. Paul was worshiping God because that's what Paul's goal in life was to worship God. And we see, even in the middle of this miracle, Paul is still laser-focused on the mission that he's called to. And verse 27 says, The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! And the jailer called for the lights and ran, in, ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How amazing. I, lo- I love that. What must I do? He didn't, they hadn't even presented the gospel with him or to this guy. All the, but this guy had, had seen the power of God and leading up to seeing the power of God, he's been hearing these two crazy guys in the back of his jail singing worship tunes all night. And so God makes a connection in his heart. He says, uh, what must I do to be saved? So they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And along, with everyone in your, and along with everyone in your household. Verse 32 says, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house. And even at that hour of night, the, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds, and he had everyone in his house immediately baptized. Imagine if Paul had allowed his circumstances to convince him that he was in the middle of a mistake. The story would end very differently. Not just for that that jailer and his family, but for the First Baptist Church of Philippi. Because this is a brand new church. These These are people, Lydia just just started understanding what it means to follow Jesus. Can you imagine what would have happened to that community, that spiritual community, if the guy who came and started it, the guy that they were learning from, just ends up in jail, discouraged, 
and just kind of fades into the background. There's no doubt that 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 church wouldn't have survived. But it did because Paul's laser focus, because of his mindset, the church continued to thrive. It became an outpost for the kingdom of God that had a major impact on how Christianity went from a little-known region to take over the entire Roman Empire in just a matter of a few centuries. And Paul lives out the type of kingdom-focused mentality that it's going to take for you and me to make an impact. And years later, sitting in another jail, Paul was in jail a good bit. I, I, I was talking... <laughs> I was talking with uh, Rye Drazio, one of our elders before church today, actually. And I was saying, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my pet dreams is someday have a, 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 a T-shirt company. Not because I want to make money at it, just because I randomly, I just have a lot of weird ideas for T-shirts I would like to wear. Um, <laughs> and one of them is I want to get one of those, like, old, like, Renaissance painting pictures of Paul and then just put the word convict on it. Because we think of Paul as like this, this prim and proper guy. The guy spent a good chunk of his adult life in jail. Like to the people around there outside the church community, he was just like a, he was just a, a jailbird. Anyway, years later, he's sitting in another jail. He would write a letter to his friends back at First Philippi Baptist. But by this time, it wasn't just Lydia and her family and the jailer and, and his household. It had, it had grown. There were, there were a number of churches that had grown in, in Philippi and the surrounding region. And there was, there was leadership that had been trained and popped up. You know, we think multi-site, multi-campus is this like new trend in church growth. It's, it's not. It's, it was happening back at the very, very beginning. See, they had, these people had these friends, these, these people that, that Paul loved and loved Paul. They had just sent him some money um, to see to his needs while he was in jail. Um, see, back then, you had to basically, if you didn't want to starve in jail, um, if you wanted any sort of any, any supplies, you were responsible to bring it in yourself or have somebody, br- obviously you couldn't go get it, have somebody bring you food and bring you supplies because the jail, you couldn't count on the jail to provide you with anything, even food. There was no, you know, there was no prisoner's bill of rights. There was no, um, <laughs> you know, there was, there was none of that. There was, there was no appeals. There was no, um, no one really cared. And so um, they sent money and they sent a, a person to take them. Obviously, it was all, there was, there was no cash app back then. So somebody had to actually go <laughs> with the money and um, see to his needs. And so in response to that, uh, the, the person who brought the money he is now coming back to, to Philippi and he's bringing a letter from Paul. And so Paul writes this letter to his friends, knowing that they are facing the same persecution that he is. See, by this time, uh, persecution had broken out all over the all over the, the the Roman Empire against Christianity, and it was it was now just being a Christian was 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 to put your life in in real danger. And he. he uh, he knew they were going to need to have the same strength 
the same mindset, the same focus that he did if they were going to overcome like he had. And in chapter 3 of the letter to the Philippians, he shares with his friends the mindset that has fueled his ministry and his mission for all these years. And so um, with the remainder of our, our, our time today, I want to look at, at this section of, of this letter. Um, and uh, it, it's a familiar passage, I'm sure, to many of you. But I think in it we can draw out, I think there's five mindsets that we see five five things we can glean from this that Paul is trying to impart to his friends at Philippi. These aren't necessarily you know how tos. These aren't these are these are filters through which Paul lived his life. They were the things that he he thought every decision, every outcome. When he looked at the outcome of an, of an event, it came. It would go through these filters. Before he would reach a conclusion. And I think, they're, I think they can be valuable for us. If we would adopt these same mindsets, I think we would end up living lives much closer to Paul's than if we don't. And so I just want to kind of walk through, uh, starting in verse 8, walk through uh, this passage of scripture and kind of see how Paul was, was thinking. And how he was advising this, this young church to think as well. Philippians 3, starting uh, chapter 3, verse 8 says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Listen to Paul, knowing Jesus was the reward of knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus was the goal. It wasn't, it wasn't, I know Jesus for these other things. Not, not eternal riches, not earthly blessings, not quality of life, not being successful in business, not being successful in my spirituality, not being more self-improved, not being more important. None of those things. It was, it was worth everything and anything just to know him. His first mindset, compared to knowing Jesus, everything else was a load of crap. And some of you might go, oh, he said crap. I chose the, the, the nicest version of the actual word that Paul used. I wanted to be more accurate. It would have had to be something else. But you wouldn't have heard anything else I say the rest of the time if I would used that word. Listen, Paul could sing and praise in jail because his goal was to sing and praise. Was to know Jesus. Just to have communion with him. And being in jail and being beaten didn't, didn't, didn't stop him from being able to do that. One of the most powerful mindsets we can have is to come to a place where our, our goal in life is to know Jesus. Not our goal in life is to know Jesus so that. And that's what we, we, we tend to struggle with is we add these other so that's. And we get focused on them and, and our, we lose our, our focus on just knowing Jesus. Just being in community with him. Just connecting with him as the goal in itself. 
So that's the first mindset. Then we'll we'll go on. I I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Another way to translate that phrase, uh, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Uh, Some translations have it, through Christ's faithfulness. Listen, mindset number two. Depend on Christ's faithfulness to me, not my faithfulness to him. See, we've reduced that, the whole concept of the word faith. Um, You know, we have faith, God's faith, all this stuff. We've reduced this to such such small thing in in modern society. We we take it as like this belief that something is or is true or exists, right? But that's not the biblical understanding of this concept. It's it's when when, when Paul uses the word faith, and grace, but we won't get into that. Um, it, it's a picture. What he's talking about a relationship. It's much bigger than just a belief. It's much bigger than just just an understanding or an agreement that something is is true or is accurate. We depend on Christ's faith. Remember last last week we talked about covenant and how how God walks through. The calf by himself because he knows he knew we, we didn't have the strength to live up to our end of it. Listen, we have certainly have a part to play and we have a faithfulness that we owe, but we can only do our part because Jesus does his and empowers us to do ours. And so Paul came to learn to depend on Christ's faithfulness in him, not his faithfulness to Christ. Listen, you can, you, can be, you can have an amazing, thriving, growing relationship with God. You can make a kingdom impact out in that world. You can lead people to Jesus, not because you are so faithful, but because Jesus is so faithful. And that should be a, a welcome relief. That it is, we, are, we lean on his power uh, to, to, to accomplish his goals, not our own. And this is, this is what fueled Paul over and over again throughout the epistles. How many times do we see over and over again? He say, it's not, you know, I did this, but he always like would follow up. But it wasn't me. It was Jesus in, in me, Christ in me, that, that powers me to do this. That's the second mindset. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Mindset number three. Living like Jesus will result in having a life like Jesus. I know a lot of these seem like, I didn't mean them to be so obtuse, but... (laughs) Living like Jesus... Will result in having a life like Jesus. If, if Paul was intent and convinced that he could experience God's mighty power and his resurrection power as long as he lined himself up with the sacrifice of Jesus, with the, with the giving of his life like Jesus, focused on on loving others and sharing sharing the kingdom with others, as long as he as long as he poured his life into those things. He was going to get the opportunity to experience the resurrection power of Jesus. 
both here and when it was all over for him. It's an important thing that we need to be convinced of as well. That the, that the, the power of, of, of God, the same power that, that raised Christ from the dead, ha, we have access to and can experience here in this, in this world when we partake in his life. And there is nothing... There's, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience, and many of you know what I, I mean when I say this, there is nothing greater on earth than experiencing the power of God. There is nothing more enjoyable in the world than seeing God move. There's, there is, I, I have a term, it's probably not PC, but I like it, but it just it, it fits. There is a thing out there called ministry crack. When you experience God, when, you, when God uses you to impact somebody else, and you can feel his presence, and you see a life changed, and you got to have some measure, some part in that, that there is a feeling in that, that that nothing, literally nothing, not even crack, can duplicate. And it's addictive. And I can say that because... I can compare them. Let's just leave it at that. It's literally better. I don't mean metaphorically. It's better. Move on, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. We always, a lot of times when we read this passage, we focus on the he hasn't achieved part. But I, I love that that last phrase just really stuck out to me as, as I was studying this. For which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Mindset four, I was made for this. For, it's the perfection for which Jesus first possessed me. It's not a bonus. It's not a favor he, he was, Paul was doing for God. It's not even an option. It was the reason Christ possessed him. It's the reason Jesus got a hold of you. Listen, this type of life, you are not an imposter. God is in your life. Jesus has control of your life. This is, this is your rightful heritage. And so often we allow the enemy and circumstances now come to convince us that, that we are somehow, we are somehow separate from this kind of, having this kind of impact in the world. That, that that's for, that's for professional, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what the pastor does. Or that's what, maybe if I, if I studied more, if I, if I, if I was a better Christian, then maybe I would have access to God's presence and be able to, you know, have an impact on the people around me. Listen, you were possessed for this. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the mission that, got, that comes along with salvation. We can't, you can't separate the two. You can't say, yes, I'm a Christian. Jesus saved me. He forgave my sins. But I'm not quite at that point where he can use me. Listen, the church, the first church at Philippi and all the other churches back then, 
all run by amateurs. All of them. No one had, like, this, this is the first generation. There was, there was only a handful of people that had been trained by Jesus, and the church started growing, and people went out, and it was an on-the-job training, let's figure it out sort of thing. You know how I know that? Read the epistles. Read some of the stuff that Paul had to tell the church leaders at that time. Hey, guys, listen. Listen, you can't have family members stealing other family members' wives. That's not okay. Like these, are the, these are the issues that Paul literally is dealing with with his church leaders. Don't tell me you aren't ready. God can use every single one of us. You are not an imposter. And then Paul, in this section, kind of wraps up where we're going to stop for today in in verse 13 and 14. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I, I focus on this one thing. And so he, he, he says all, he gives us all these mindsets and he kind of wraps them up and says, this is, and this is what, what allows me to empower all of those other mindsets. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Mindset number five is, Paul was the guy that ran through the tape. He ran through the tape. I, I was, you know, he, he, he talks in this about, he uses the image of a of race. And um, I, I, so I did some, some Googling. And <laughs> anybody ever get stuck in a, in a YouTube hole? Um, well, I, got, I got stuck in one. Um, <laughs> of all these videos of people um, breaking down the mechanics of a 100-yard dash, 100-yard race. And it's amazing how much is happening in those 10 seconds. You know, there's, there's, there's five different phases of the race in that 10 seconds. Um, and we won't go into to all those, those details. But one of the things that stood out to me that the guy in one of the videos was, was talking about, he was talking about the, the finish of the race. And he was talking about how a lot of, a lot of people you, you see, you know, at the end of a, a race, you see the, the, the lean, right, to try and get that extra little oof. And the, the, the instructor guy, the coach, was talking about how, how most of the time the lean is what you do if you're losing, and it doesn't really help. His advice was for all, the way he trains all of his runners was you always just run through the tape. Because when you change, when you, when you go for that, that extra lean, you're actually slowing yourself down. And this is, this is I think, a great picture of, of what Paul's talking about. Paul was a run-through-the-tape kind of guy. He wasn't going to slow down for anything. He was going to stay focused on moving forward regardless of what would come against him. And I think that's a, that's a great, you know, we're starting this new year. I think that's a, a, a great mindset that we have to have, that, that we, we have not finished. Listen, if you're still breathing, you still have purpose, right? 
Until COVID gets you, it's not going to get you. You still have a mission here on earth. And it's, it really is my prayer this year. We're gonna, I, I want us to lean into to exploring and pursuing what that looks like in our, in our lives. What does, it, what does it look like to live a life on, mesh, on mission? What does it look like to actually be running through the tape? What would it, what would it be like if, if we together collectively and individually spent this next year solely focused in our, we could say by the end of the year, if it's not right now, by the end of the year, my number one priority and focus in life is knowing Jesus. That's it. That's my number one thing. Everything else has come under, under that priority. And I am sold out to his mission in my life. What would our lives look like? What would our church look like next January? That's what I want. That's what I, I think the Lord is, is calling us to this year, is to, to run in a way we've never run before. To run harder than we, we've never run before. And to run towards the things that really matter. Knowing Jesus and making him known. And if we, if we can just focus on those two things, everything else, everything else, the, out, the other outcomes, whether you end up in jail or the earthquake comes and you're free, they all just they, they shrink down and they just become a, part, a smaller part of the story. They don't become the story. Right, Your circumstances no longer become the story when, when you have a mission and a vision that's bigger than your circumstances. So when life happens, when, when things don't go well, when people disappoint you, when you experience loss, when you experience frustration, all of those things now put their, get their proper place underneath the actual focus and mission that, you should be, that we, we need to have. See, when God, when our relationship with Jesus is put where it gives, gives its proper place, it pushes everything down to its proper place. That's how you end up, that's how Paul is able to, to live the life he lived, to experience the thing he did, and none of, it, none of it derailed him from his mission. Because his mission was knowing God. And once, once that mission became the number one thing, all of the things that he experienced, all the attacks against him, just became small enough where they weren't the focus. They were just, just a thing. Okay, whatever. That's not, I can still, I still know Jesus, right? All right, we're fine. Let's keep moving. That's what I think God is calling us to in, the, in this next year. And I, I, it's, I'm excited to see where God takes us. I hope, I hope you are starting to get a little appetite for, for something new in your own life. Like I said, this is not a how-to. This didn't, I, didn't, I didn't give you a playbook, sorry. I don't, I don't have one of those. I'm, I'm trying to, to, to help us cultivate an appetite for something more, something deeper in, in God that we can all run to together because it is something we have to do together. You know, following Jesus is a team sport. It's, it's not, a, not a solo thing. And so let, let us run this year in a way we've never run together.
Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for um, just your word. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from, from the stories and the, the things that you've done in the past that can inform our present. God, we, we want to be more like Paul. We want to have his type of mindset, Lord. Help us this year to focus on you more than, than ever before, Lord. We, help us to show us how to make knowing you the, the only thing that really matters in our life. God, I pray this year that you would cultivate in each one of us a, a, a mission mindset. That we would all learn, learn what it looks like in our lives, in our context, to, to, to be on mission. So focused on your kingdom and, and our relationship with you that, that nothing else uh, can derail us. Like Paul, we will be so focused on knowing you and on your mission that we become just an indestructible force that can't be swayed one way or the other. God, we pray that you'd, you'd continue to, to preserve us and call us towards the purposes that we know you have called us to. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a good afternoon. Stay safe. We'll see you next week.